Hey guys, it's the Andrew Bello from the Humming Media Group Podcast of the Year, the Wednesday Locker Room, and the former host and founder of the Next Level Wrestling Podcast. It's 2021, and it's time to kick out and leave the past behind us. Hameen Media Group starts the year off with over 2.25 million downloads, and our fan base is continuing to grow every day. Thank you for subscribing and sharing all of our channels, podcasts, and videos, and for standing strong with HMG in the face of ongoing censorship. We will always adapt and overcome any obstacles put in our way. We will overcome and certainly achieve even more success in the ever-changing digital landscape. Please make sure you're subscribed to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you to all of the Patreon.com slash Hameen Media Group subscribers, home of the Rip Rogers FR podcast, named by Patreons to be their favorite show on the entire Hameen Media Group network. More content, including marketing and podcasting seminars, watch-alongs from Hameen's career in 2CW, OVW, DCW, and more. When you subscribe to Patreon.com slash Hameen Media Group, you are the fuel that drives HMG's free shows for the entire community. We salute you and thank you for your continued support in 2021. We continue our year supported by our daily listeners and our local sponsors, including ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the shirts of all your favorite Hameen Media Group wrestling personalities and support them directly. Greek God Papadon, Stevie Richards, Chris Silvio, SEG shirts for Big Sal, and of course, Finamine, Yala. Also, check out ZordosOliveOil.com. Make a healthy choice for 2021 when you cook with Zordos Ultra Premium Artisanal Olive Oil imported directly from Greece. Visit ZordosOliveOil.com today and taste the difference of an ultra premium product for yourself. And wake up, bro. It's time to get the official Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Kick the day off right, bro, with a cup of Broaster's Coffee. The exclusive limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee is a medium-roasted Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that will have you up and ready to go, bro. Order yours exclusively at thebroasters.com. And it's 2021, and the Hameen Media Group staff are all committed to Stevie Richards Fitness this year and getting ourselves into the best shape we've ever been in. You've seen Big Ray's amazing transformation, and there are plenty of SRF members interacting right now, motivating each other for the new year. So don't worry about gyms and lockdowns. Let's get in shape together, using our community for support and Stevie Richards Fitness to achieve our goals for 2021. Join us and visit StevieRichardsFitness.com for the most affordable and effective home workout program that will give you results, real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at stevierichards.com and russobrand.com where the pros are pros bro hear the most valid opinions in wrestling from the pros who live it no other podcasting platform and online wrestling punditry has the lineup of wrestling stars like russobrand.com stevie richards disco inferno shane douglas just incredible Big Vito, Stevie Ray, Taylor Hendricks, Ben Hameen, and now there's even more shows on the way with a partnership with the two-man power trip. Why would you go anywhere else but RussoBrand.com? 
We thank you for listening and being an incredible community of wrestling-addicted, conspiracy-minded, straight-brim hat-wearing infidels. By the way, Bin Hameen wrote this copy, and I'm currently in a basement being held at gunpoint. He's already shot Adler's twice, and I hope this is the correct style of intro he was looking for. So enjoy the show, HMG listeners. Please, for the love of Stevie, enjoy the show. Rewind. Red Rob will take you on a journey through time to relive some of the greatest moments, matches, and personalities from the sport of professional wrestling. Now, here's your host of the show, Red Rob, Rob Francois. Hey guys, welcome back to RTW Rewind. I am your host, Rad Rob, Rob Francois. I hope everybody's doing well all around the world, and thank you for being here. This is day three of the Rad Rumble, seven days of shows leading up till this Sunday's WWE Royal Rumble. It's a lot of shows, it's a lot of work, uh, but I'm happy to do it and I'm happy to entertain you guys. Uh, I have a returning guest. Technically, it's his fourth time on the show, but the third time never recorded, uh, so it's lost forever. It will never be heard again, uh, but he is former WWE referee. Mr. Jimmy Corderas. What's going on, buddy? Thanks for coming back. No, thanks for having me back. And uh, uh, I'm still going to count it as uh, four times, even though it was just you and I, because yeah. we're the only ones who remember it or ever saw it. So, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're we're okay up here in Canada. We're doing our best to, uh, you know, uh, adhere to these stipulations during this uh, critical time and, uh, you know, doing our best. I mean, you know, uh, it is what it is. And, you know, we're trying to, like I said, uh, follow guidelines yeah. and uh, enjoying time with my wife. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah, we were you're joking off air that you know you, you mentioned all the all the years on the road. You're finally getting some home time, so it's not really a bad thing. No, no, it's a, it's. I'm just worried that she's going to get sick of me. <laughs> it's quite possible. It is yeah. very very possible. Uh, you know, I love your reference rants. Uh, it's such a good thing. It just if for people that don't know, it's on Jimmy's Instagram and, and his Twitter, and it's just uh, you know, forty five seconds to a minute, minute and a half, depending on, on what he wants to talk about, whatever's on his mind. Uh, and it's really over. I mean, people really, uh, you've gotten a really good response from a lot of your uh, your followers, and uh, I know you enjoy doing it. No, I absolutely love doing it. It's uh, it, and and I hope people understand that it's it's not anything it's it's more to have a little bit of fun while critiquing because that's basically what i do for a living now is i i analyze mostly wwe pro wrestling and you know i i don't like to be negative about the business but there are things that you know i see that i say oh, i wish they didn't do that so i'm trying to have some fun with it at the same time and i think people are misinterpreting a lot of stuff and you know like like uh no offense the divide that's going on in in both our countries actually yeah it has filtered into the wrestling community as well and they don't seem to understand that i want the entire wrestling business as a whole to succeed not just one company you know yeah, but yeah, again we, yeah, yeah I'm we, just we, all, we all do but i mean obviously people think you're still a, a wwe homer because i mean you spent you know 20 something years there right so yeah. how could no, you I not be you know. partial to a place that you loved and a place that you you were at for so long but i, I completely understand it I, I i'm the same way i mean we're we're probably within 10 12 years of each other in age but i mean you know i grew up on the on the 80s wrestling and and stuff like that and obviously the product is not the same anymore and it probably never will be um but we still 
love the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if even if it's not what we grew up on, I mean, obviously what we grew up on wasn't the same as what our parents grew up on and so forth. And every generation seems to say, yeah, that stuff wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids nowadays don't understand, you know, the art of psychology or selling or long-term storylines or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. So it's hard to be a fan now and not be critical of it because you love it. And like you said, you want it to succeed. Exactly. And and I think part of the, the difference nowadays, too, is the way fans watch wrestling is when we went, you know, when you and I went to wrestling events, we wanted to believe we want that, that suspension of disbelief, for lack of a better term. Yeah. You know, we wanted to just be entertained and enjoy and turn everything off for a couple hours and just, you know, be absorbed by the storyline. You know, tell me a nice story and that sort of stuff and and get me to forget about everything, especially nowadays with what's going on. <laughs> that's a perfect setting and why wrestling um, is still on the air while other sports were taking a break is because it is a good escape from what's going on. Yeah. I think the issue with some fans, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to generalize and say a lot of them, but some fans tend to overanalyze and they're, they're, they're trying to be, they're trying to be the critic as opposed to just sit back, relax, enjoy. See, and that's one of the things uh, people don't get with me and AEW, uh, regardless of what issues I have with, uh, certain aspects of their presentation i still enjoy it's fun watching do you know what i mean you know i'll watch it and go i wish they didn't do that (laughs) i wish they didn't do this oh i wish the referees would be more you know authoritative blah 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 but at the same time i I can be entertained by what i'm watching you know i mean it's not for everybody yeah i mean even with wb if there was something that you liked if there's an angle that you liked, they did their job not it's like any other TV show or any other form of entertainment. Not every show is going to be for you. If you don't like it, you know, move on and watch something else. But you're right. People do get very critical. Like, it's life or death. Like, it's just it's just wrestling, man. It's entertainment. Exactly. Again, it's like, it's like any other show or movie. Like, you like it or you don't. I don't see what you, you don't see anybody picking on CSI Miami because it was a crappy storyline or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just wrestling. It's just a, the wrestling bubble is just very weird. No, uh, no. And uh, and the other thing, too, that the WWE has an advantage over pretty much every other company is they have three different main shows. They have Raw, SmackDown, and I'm including NXT because I think NXT is, is, is a really great product. But all three shows have a different presentation. Do you right. know what I, so yeah. Whereas, let's say, AEW has one show on Wednesday night, so they've got to try and fit all their different aspects into one show true you know and same with uh, impact wrestling as well and you know it, so for the wwe it's easier because they have so many platforms that they are able to 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 show these different presentations now do you think that how, how do i put this i don't want you to get in trouble with the old man but yeah. uh do, do you think mr mcmahon may be just a, a tad bit out of touch with with things and what, what do you what do you attribute to the you know the lack of just storyline depth to be quite honest? Well, here's the thing. It, it, the funny thing is uh, when you talk about storyline depth, when you there is a difference between Raw and SmackDown. Right. I mean the stories well, on true. SmackDown. The yeah, stories on SmackDown yeah. seem to resonate a little better. I don't right. know if he's uh, if it's if it's the big guy. He's more hands on with the Raw product than he is the SmackDown product, or it's just uh, you know the way he wants the shows presented differently. I know that NXT is pretty much Triple H and he's got his, uh, his guys like, uh, I, I believe Jeremy, Jeremy Borash is, a, is, uh, 
very instrumental down there as well, along with HBK and all the all the coaches and trainers down there. I mean, like William Regal and 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 guys like that. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. uh, is he out of place? I mean, you can make that argument that uh, you know maybe he's a little bit, but at the same time, uh, we are. I'm just saying this because I don't know for a fact. I'm assuming that he's that hands-on with the raw product. But then again, you know, everything, everything, he's the, he's the final approval right. at the end of the day. So uh, you can make that argument, but at the same time, who knows? Maybe, uh, ah, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm, I, I'm not worried about getting in trouble with the, with the big guy. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know how hands-on he is these days and whether it's other people that are influencing him or I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, guessing, it's all, yeah. I'm guessing it is him. Yeah, I mean, again, you, you're right. He does have the final approval, no matter who writes the storylines. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's certain things that we could see that were like, yeah, that's got his fingerprints all over it. I mean, that that's a Vince McMahon kind of angle or humor or whatever. And and maybe SmackDown is a little bit more serious, a little more drama based. You know, mm-hmm. there's not ninjas running around everywhere and stuff like that. So, right. you know, the Roman Reigns storyline is fantastic. Amazing. I mean, it's probably the best thing going today uh, in wrestling. And you know, you know. Actually, do you know Roman? I have met him. He's a very good gentleman. Like I, like I've run into him uh, a few times over the years. Gotcha. And, and uh, uh, really shocked and honored to know he knew who I was. <laughs> so, well, that's cool. That's which cool. is like, oh wow, that's cool. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. uh, really good, uh, really good dude. You know, he's he's got the pedigree. But you're right. This work he's doing right now is absolutely. Uh, in his wheelhouse, off the chain, off the chain, whatever metaphor or, or phrase you want to use, uh, he's found his groove and he is excelling. It's amazing. It is amazing, and obviously you do know Paul Heyman, so I'm sure he yeah. has a lot of influence on what's going yeah. on right now. And mm-hmm. you know, you want to talk to a guy that's controversial and maybe wasn't the best businessman in the world, but when it comes down to just pure wrestling psychology, I think few people on this planet uh, get it more than him. I, I mean, it's just. He's so ultra, ultra smart and talented. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think the pairing of those two was uh, was a match made in heaven, to, to be quite honest. Roman needed that push. I mean, do you think they should have done it back several years ago when Roman beat Taker? No. Uh, I think... Uh, I, I, I mean, it, might, it probably would have worked back then as well. Um, I don't know if it... W- would have worked as, when I say as well, I mean, t- also, right. I don't know if it would work as well as it's working today because that on animosity from the fans who are the ones that are saying that Roman Reigns is being shoved down our throat. And this right. is a guy that they handpicked and we don't want him and blah, blah, blah. Now that he is doing this, I think it is resonating more with the audience and they, they they're feeding off this even more. So now, because it has been so long since that time, um, you know, that's again, you, you brought up the storytelling and stuff like that. Sometimes it's good to wait. Right. And I think a lot of times nowadays, uh, all companies tend to rush a little bit. And, and instead of taking a step back to move forward, they're constantly moving forward. Tired of the PC police telling you what you can and cannot say? Want a show that travels back to the 80s and 90s where the badass hosts have beaten down cancel culture on three separate occasions and carried on to gloat about it? Since 2013, The Midnight Jury is that show. Travel back to the malls and arcades, 
Pop in your VHS and join us where the 80s and 90s return from the dead. Conan, tell them where to find us. WLWstudios.com, home of the Midnight Jury podcast hosted by Midnight Mike and Calvin Brody. Also available on all major podcast platforms via the Shining Wizards Network and join in the conversation on Twitter at Midnight Jury. RTW Rewind. Do you think they use social media like Facebook and Twitter as a barometer to see how the fans are you know, towards Roman or certain characters when they're not there live uh, in the arenas because of COVID? I would think that they are because there's no other measuring stick because that's how you, that's how you, told, you, you could tell back in the day whether someone was over or not. It was by the reaction from the live audience. Right. You know, I, I know people put stock in ratings and stuff like that, but it, it it's a completely different world now, too. So uh, um, when you talk about ratings, I mean, yes, you do pay attention to them because that's now your revenue source and your revenue stream for all the shows. But at the same time, um, I won't mention the show by name, but there's a comedy that was out there that was one of the most highly rated comedies for several years that it just didn't appeal to me. It wasn't my wasn't my cup of tea, right. but it did fantastic ratings and people other people loved it it just you know and i looked at it and went eh, not for me <laughs> right you know what i mean yeah. so so our, our ratings are a good barometer but at the same time shouldn't be the only telling factor social media does help but at the same time a lot of people use social media just to uh try and get themselves over as opposed yeah. to you know very true what I'm trying to do too, but anyway. Right. I mean, we all are, right? So <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just an interesting age that we're in now. But I, I mean, I'm just personally, I'm curious to see how the fans will react live once they get in, in the building. Like, especially, I don't know if they are for the Rumble. Yeah. I'm assuming there's going to be some people there. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm not sure yet. Uh, not sure. Okay. They are definitely hoping for WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania, they're, I, I've heard some lofty projections, you know, fifteen yeah. to 25,000. But I really want to yeah. see how a crowd reacts to Rowan, a live crowd. Exactly. I, I mean, like, especially at, at, a, at a show like WrestleMania where it's more your more educated audience, your more right. in-tune audience, the ones that appreciate this heel turn by Roman Reigns. And yeah. you might get that uh, cheer as opposed to the... The, the booing that you want. That's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, the, what, what we call the smart fans or the smart yeah. marks uh, will know what's going on, and they've been asking for this for a long time now. So, mm-hmm. uh, But you have the kids, too. I mean, uh, yeah. merchandise is a huge thing, and obviously turning him heel uh, is going to hurt his merchandise with families and with younger mm-hmm. kids, and I think that's probably the number one reason why they never turned John Cena when they had a chance to. Uh, I mean, he's the number one seller in the company and obviously does mm-hmm. all the charity appearances and the make-a-wishes, and he was mm-hmm. literally everywhere. I don't think I've ever seen a more hardworking wrestler um, than than John Cena, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is funny to see how the kids are going to react uh, to their hero, Roman Reigns, when, when, when they come back. Exactly. It's it's going to be very telling. Uh, like, like, like we talked about just a few minutes ago, the, the audience has changed a little since back in the day where everybody cheered Hogan and booed. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. The Iron Sheik, you know. Right. Yeah, it's not cut and dry anymore, really. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of uh, real solid, you know, baby faces or, or heels anymore. Yeah, it's there's lots of shades of gray, and uh, I, which we saw in the yeah. late '90s, obviously in the Attitude Era with Steve Austin mm-hmm. and Rock and, and guys like that, and the mm-hmm. you know Undertaker ministry, and it's it's funny because you know when I look back at Undertaker, Rock, and 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 Stone Cold back in those days, yes, they. 
uh, again, for lack of a better term, acted acted more heelish, but they were, uh, I'm going to use the word edgy. Yeah. Yeah, because, yes, they, they did things that traditional baby faces wouldn't do, but at the same time, it, uh, trying to put it into words is very difficult. Well, I mean, they, they did have solid heels to go against. Let's just right. say that. Like, exactly. Stone Cold was edgy, but he, he still had some real despicable people that, that he worked against. There you go. Exactly. So, so when you have gray versus gray, you, there's, there's no contrast there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have someone who is edgy and maybe, uh, you know, he's a baby face, but you know, you could say he's borderline heel and then, but he's going against someone who's truly hated. Now there is some contrast. Right. And I think that's why the NWO got over so well, because they were beating up, you know, Randy Savage and the horsemen and spray painting them every week. And I mean, I've never seen, I mean, I wasn't around around in the 60s, you know, when 70s when Roddy Piper was getting stabbed and shot at and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I had never seen heat in my generation like the NWO with everybody throwing all that trash in the ring. Mm -hmm. I mean, those guys were solid heels. Some people thought they were cool after a while, but when they first really started and Hulk Hogan made that turn, people Mm -hmm. hated him. And being in the South where people are probably more inclined to believe some of the stuff and and Mm -hmm. suspend their disbelief, man... Their hero turned on him. They thought it was real. They hated him. Absolutely. And and you're bringing up a young guy from today. If if you brought up Roddy Piper, if, if MJF was doing mm. back in, in Roddy's day what he's doing today, yeah. he would be having, yeah, he'd have to <laughs> have a bodyguard 24-7 as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he would need Wardlow around all the time for him. So. Yes. Um, so we're in the middle of our uh, Royal Rumble week here, and mm-hmm. I know you were part of several. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you a part of the first one in uh, yes. 1988? Yes, I was at the first one. It was uh, uh, maybe an hour away from my home in Hamilton, right. Ontario, Canada. You have to say Ontario, Canada. Any town, <laughs> any town you mention in Canada, you have to do the province. Calgary, and, Alberta, Canada, Edmonton, exactly. Alberta. Yeah, I get yes. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I was, I was, you know, honored to be a part of it because, uh, partially because it was close to home, but uh, okay. at the same time. It was cool, and and I love the reasoning for it. It was an answer to they were uh, combating something that uh, Turner was doing at the time. Yeah, I can't remember what the event was like. Buckingham yeah, Stampede, or maybe, or maybe it was a Starcade. I don't quite remember yeah. which one it was. Yeah, but. so they put it on uh, USA Network, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in the States they did. at the time. Yeah, um, and obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the creator of the Royal Rumble, the late Pat Patterson. Yes, man, 2020 was a rough year. We, yeah, yeah uh, definitely. We, we lost year. a lot of people, and Pat was. Was at the top of that list. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure. You have, I'm sure yeah. you have many fond memories of uh, of Pat. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it, because Pat was the one who got, who got me started refereeing. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it was him. It was um, to to make a long story short, we were driving. They used to do TV up here in Canada every three weeks in in Brantford Civic Center, which is maybe an hour and twenty minutes from Toronto. So they'd run uh, Maple Leaf Garden Sundays every three weeks. And then they do uh, the tapings on Mondays at, in Brantford Civic Center. And um, I, uh, one of my jobs before I started refing was was chauffeuring talent to and from there. And I'd have this big minibus. And uh, uh, one day, uh, the last guy left in the building was Pat. And it was just me and him riding back. And he was talking and stuff like that. And, you know, he was talking about my goals. And I'm like, you know... Uh, I'm wide open. I didn't tell him I want to be a wrestler or something like that. Of course, that's always in the back of your mind because you're a huge wrestling fan. Right. But we're at Maple Leaf Gardens one day, and he turns to Jack while I'm standing right there and says, hey, Jack, you know, we got the kid here. He wits around all day and blah, 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 blah. Why don't we make him a referee? 
And Jack turned to, uh, to Pat and says, uh, do you want to smarten the kid up? And he says, what do you mean smarten him up? The kid's in the back. He's with the boys. He's in the locker room. He knows what's <laughs> going on. Let's, let's utilize him while he's here. And, you know, he told me to get uh, black sneakers, black pants, a blue shirt, and a black bow tie and carry it with me all the time. And, and if, if it wasn't for Pat, I wouldn't have probably not refereed. That's funny. I never heard that story. Um, hmm. Were you smarting up at that point? Well, to a, to a degree. I mean, I knew what was going on. I knew I knew the that it was a work and yeah. that sort of stuff. I wasn't aware of how matches were put together and that right. sort of stuff. You know, I I spoke with the agents or the producers at the time. As they, they were agents then, but now they're called producers. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and stuff like that. But it, uh, yeah, you know, you learn on the fly. You learn as you go. You know, you t- you talk to those veterans that were there before you, and, and you learn. Now, how in depth were you with the actual talent as far as uh, how the ma- did you ever know how the matches were going to lay out? Did you? I, I know you always like to say that you know Vince and everybody taught you to call things the way you see it. Right. Uh, you know, act like it's a it's a it's a shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but were you ever involved in any of the processes with you know finishes or putting the match together, or were you just there to react based on what you saw? Um, no, I would I would I would find out definitely what the finish would be. Right. For, for those matches. And there were times where, where the guys would go over it and I would just sit in like a fly on the wall and listen to what they're doing, you know, and that sort of stuff. And there'd be times where the guys would say, hey, at this point in the match, when we do this, we want you to do this, you know, right. and stuff like that. But as the years went on, as I, as I began to get a better grasp of, of how, you know, the process worked and, and stuff, uh, later on, you know, I started, there were, started to feel a little more comfortable, you know, maybe adding a suggestion saying, Hey guys, do you mind if I make a suggestion? Right. And you know, the, of course some guys would be sure. And then some guys would be, uh, well, eh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, right. uh, yeah. this is good. But um, you know, there were some guys I really like ch- chatting with. And even some guys would, would turn to me and go, of course, after almost 20 years of refereeing, they'd turn to me and go, what do you think of that, Jimmy? And I'd be like, Whoa, well, mm. okay, <laughs> cool. I mean, it's good that you earn their respect because, I mean, obviously you had been there a long time and you, you've seen it all and you've done it all. So, I mean, it, it's it's a cool thing that you earn the respect of your peers like that. It, it is it is overwhelmingly humbling, too, right. as well. It's a, it's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe a, um, one person that I used to talk to a lot, and and, and I miss him dearly, uh, the late, great Eddie Guerrero, uh, mm-hmm, was, yeah. was one of those cool guys that you could sit and talk to. And all of a sudden, you know, especially during the lie, cheat, and steal days and uh, – you know, and you, you know, he'd be so open. Hey, Eddie, I got this idea. Do you want to hear it? And he'd be, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me hear it. You know, and you just, ah, oh, just so much fun. You want to talk about a guy that knew the business and got it probably better than anybody. I mean, obviously growing up in it and having the lineage that he did with his family. Uh, yeah. I heard nothing but great things about Eddie, you know, as a performer, <laughs> uh, especially after he got clean and, you know, and got yeah. saved and people really, really loved him. That was a hard mm-hmm. one for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, a lot of people. But uh, um, did you ever lean on your fellow referees? Say, like, uh, was Danny Davis around uh, when you were there? Mm-hmm. And, Danny was uh, there. Obviously, Earl and 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 Dave were there too. So, well, uh, actually, I was there before Earl. Believe it or not, no kidding. Now that I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, I was there before Earl, and I remember his debut. I was there. Was Earl, Earl in NWA or was um, Dave? So I remember one of the Hebners being in, in NWA. Oh my! You got me way now. back, way back. Yeah, you got me now. I, oh my goodness! I think it was Earl, but uh, <laughs> let, me, let me put it this way: uh, the, if I'm not mistaken, Earl debuted on a Saturday night's main event. Mm-hmm. 
if, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, but, if that may have been the angle with Hogan and, and Andre where they had the twin, the twin reps. Well, yeah. So here's, you know, I'm in the back and I'm watching on the monitor and I'm right by the, the, uh, the drink station where the coffee and the, and, mm-hmm. and the drinks were and the water and all that sort of stuff. And I'm watching the monitor, I'm watching the monitor. And for some reason, I, I'm not clicking completely, but I'm, in, I'm, th- I'm looking at myself. I hadn't seen Dave Hebner all day, who was, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, man, Dave looks good. He's, he's lost a little bit of weight because he's leaned you know, out. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> yeah. I turn around to make myself a coffee really quick and I see Dave leaning on the wall. And I'm like, and I got this puzzled look on my face. He just looked at me and went, mm. and I went, Okay, you got it, and that's when he went out and did the, you know, the twin referee deal. That was a cool thing, man. Watching that yeah. as a kid, uh, I was like, "Holy crap!" There's, there's two because Dave was their main referee for yeah. for a while, so yeah. we didn't know about Earl. Uh, right. and I'm, I'm pretty sure Earl was was in the NWA, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I was blown away by that, and that was such a cool deal, and that's just, mm-hmm. that's something you could obviously only do once. Uh, yeah. And you, be, you better hope it goes off well because you can't mm-hmm. do it again. Well, I mean, Vince liked to reshoot back in the day too, but mm-hmm. um, no, actually, that was live. I'm sorry, that, that was, was that, yeah, that was, so they, that was they couldn't reshoot that one. They had one shot uh, at exactly. that one, uh, exactly. and it really, it really, they really knocked it out of the park. I, I'll never forget so. seeing two Hebners in the ring and, and Hogan losing the title and DiBiase mm-hmm. getting handed the belt. I mean, that was just a cool deal. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and like I said, it, it took it took all of us by surprise. You know, we. we at one point, we were questioning, is Dave here today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net, the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. It's amazing to me that turtles have the ability to speak, let alone host wrestling podcasts. I guess that's what makes them rad. RTW Rewind. You know, Jim Ross brought up a good story when he was uh, trained to be a referee in Mid-South. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Harley Race gave him a lot of advice saying, uh, all right, kid, I'm going to do this here and you're not going to see me. And he's like, if you, if you see it, call it. If you don't see it, don't call it. And don't let the fans tell you what's going on uh, because you're not supposed to see it, but they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Jim really took that to heart. And I think that really helped him a lot. Did you get similar advice? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I had the, the pleasure and the fortune of, like you said, you mentioned Danny Davis. You mentioned uh, both Hebners, yeah. D- Dave and Earl. I got uh, Timmy White. Yep, Timmy White. Also, I mean, I got... Uh, Joey Morello was there, jo- too. Joey Morello was there. Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we lost him as well. Um, yeah. You know, so I've... And even up here in Canada, I got the... There were some good referees up here that I got to learn from. And uh, I took everything to heart. And, and I would ask guys to watch my matches and... and critique you know and that was the thing you know like okay what what did you see and they they would notice something whether it is a a tell on a false finish or something like that you know you know they would say hey you watch it here watch this Uh, try try to look a little you know try not to look like you're trying to look away right right you know what i mean When, when, when you're being distracted don't make it obvious that you're trying to be distracted right and and i think that's uh, I'm not going to pinpoint any fingers at any one promotion, but I think that's one of those things that is not being done very often these days. But that's... I mean, I think it's across the board. To be quite honest, I think yeah. it, may be, it may be more rampant in one, but I still think yes. there's a there's yeah. definitely a, a, a lack of attention to detail that's that's going on right now, and the little nuances that referees uh, used to do. I mean, they referees were a part of the show. It's almost like mm-hmm. being the third man. You you are one of the boys because you're part of the act. 
You're part True. of the you're part of the storytelling. Yes, and, but again, again, but at the same time, if I may, uh, sorry to to interrupt you. Uh, we are part of the storytelling, but we're not there to tell our story. We're there to help the guys and gals right. and enha- to enhance their story. It is yes. their story. Yeah. Unfortunately, nowadays, I find that a lot of referees, like, like if they didn't mention my name on TV, you know, that. but that's me. I, you know what I mean? I, I'm like, <laughs> isn't here? if they do, cool. If they don't, it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, because how many times have you seen – uh, uh, whether it's a, a TV show, a series, or something like that, and you see the guy that's the, the background guy who's there all the time, you go, I see that guy all the time, but I can't remember his name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, do you think referees like Nick Patrick and and, and Mark Curtis and, and Tommy Young, who would sell all the moves, did you think they were over the top? That was a different style than, than WWE referees were, were back in the day. I think, mm-hmm. uh, especially like, you know, Nick Patrick or Tommy Young, they did a really good job of, ooh, you know, cringing when a big move happened. Were you a fan of that style? I I was a fan of it because, in my opinion, uh, and you brought up Tommy Young, who was the guy who got me to notice referees in the first place. Mm. They sold it, but they didn't sell it like they were the ones getting hit with the move. Right. You know, I I tend to notice a few referees nowadays (laughs) tend to oversell something like they had just taken the punch to the face or they had just taken the kick or they had just taken whatever big power move. And it's uh, a little over the top for me. I thought uh, stuff that Nick did, stuff that that, um, Tommy did and and, and Mark, all good referees that that sold it but didn't oversell it. Right. Yeah, there were times where you could have made an argument where Tommy, like, yeah, maybe that was a little bit much, but that was Tommy Young, you know. Yeah. What I mean, that I mean was he his... was he was the best, right? I mean, yeah. in my opinion, he was. But yeah, I I, I don't disagree. You, uh, I mean, everybody could say this guy was the best. That guy was. Yeah, it's all subjective. Let's put, let's put him up yeah. there. Let's put it this way: he's on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. No, absolutely yeah. right about that. Yeah. Why do you think there's a difference in, in contrast of styles between you know WWE referee, WWF referees, and and NWA, WCW referees? Um. I don't know. I think it's 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 more the way they present their product. You know, uh, NWA had this style for going forever, and I think it was more of someone trying to be different. And I think Vince wanted to present present his product as being different and show that the referees uh, are more authoritative, if right. that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, so, so um, but also not be a distraction, and not be part of the story unless they are needed to be part of the story. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Why do you think nowadays referees tend to oversell? Like, I, and I, I will use AEW as an example, and nothing bad against her, but Aubrey Edwards especially will go out to the ring, you know, will go out to the floor every time somebody gets knocked out and check on them to see if they're okay. Like, I know mm-hmm. that's, that's part of the job, but I, to me it happens too much. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. Um, now, the referee's job, one of the referee's job uh, for, in the shoot aspect of what they do is if there looks like someone may have got their bell rung, looks like somebody, you know, takes a, a nasty bump, you are to go check on them, whether it's right. outside the ring, inside the ring, wherever it is, regardless, you go check and make sure they're okay. Yeah, and I get, uh, I get that. But yeah, yeah, but what I'm noticing, though, is every time there's a bump to the outside, you, the referee does not need to go out, especially when... Uh, somebody dives outside the ring and is and takes out four or five other guys. Right. You know, you're they, they caught you. Yeah. Chances are somebody didn't get hurt. 
unless right. they tripped over each other. But uh, I, I get what you're saying. I think there's too much going outside for the referees nowadays. Um, and uh, I'm not just going to pinpoint it on Aubrey. This, uh, you know, I see it with several referees uh, nowadays. And um, I, I think they're trying to play it off, like you said, uh, to check on. But you, it could be a quick check. But roll back in and start counting. Right. You know, it's not like, yeah. hey, are you okay? Okay, you can continue. Bang, I'm back in. One, two, you know, start counting. They, a lot of times they don't even count, and it's a lot of, you know, hey, and gesturing and stuff like that just to kill time. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, refereeing the way it used to be is a lost art, uh, yeah. and, and it's unfortunate. And there aren't a lot of referees that you don't recognize anymore or, or aren't really part of the act. But, again, referees were an integral part of the you – know, Besides the fact that a lot of you were keeping time or a lot of you were getting instructions from the back, hey, mm -hmm. this is going too long, tell them to go home. Right. Uh, so, you know, you, you were, your role was very, very important to the flow of, of the show and, and the timing of the match uh, from whoever was in back at Gorilla timing it. So, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, obviously knowing where to be, not being out of position, you know, knowing mm -hmm. exactly where to be when there's a pinfall or a submission or mm -hmm. to make sure that you you enforce the rules because we don't see a lot of enforcing nowadays. You know, we don't yeah. see a lot of, uh, you know, five counts, you know, when, when people are double teaming or, you know, at one point it's just, you know, all four guys, all six guys, whatever, they're all in the ring, just, just beating the crap out of each other, all getting their mm -hmm. stuff in and the referee just sitting back, you know, with their hands in their pockets. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might as well make orange Cassidy a referee. I mean, it'd be the same thing. <laughs> right. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, <laughs> you got me on that. You popped me on that one. <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah, one, because because uh, because <laughs> ask Edge, I'm known for the uh, hashtag bad Corderas jokes. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, <laughs> uh, speaking of Edge, uh, mm -hmm. rumors are he's he may be ready to return at the Rumble, and obviously we saw mm -hmm. him return after so many years out at last year's Royal Rumble. Did you know he was coming back? No, it, it was no, I did not know. It was. Uh, very, very well kept quiet. And, you know, and I, and I, and I buzz him every once in a while, you know, good Canadian kid, as we say up here, you know, That's and, right. yeah. you know, um, he's doing his thing down. Uh, but um, uh, hopefully he is back for the rumble. That would be awesome this year. But last year had no clue. It surprised the living, you know, what out of me. And yeah. it, it popped me. That's for sure. It was like, it, this, it is, the everybody. Yeah, this I mean. is the coolest thing ever. I know. And, and happy because he's such a good guy. And, Every everybody, and I think at some point deserves when their time comes to retire, yeah. to go out on their terms. Right. You know the way they want to go out. He didn't have that opportunity. It was forced upon him early. So this is an opportunity for him to, when it when it's time to close that book, write his own ending. Right. Which which is, which is hopefully, and I still got my fingers crossed for him. <laughs> And it's hard for a lot of guys. I mean, obviously, Steve Austin chose when he wanted to go out. I mean, he knew his time was up. And mm -hmm. there are guys, you know, that, that didn't have that. Like, we thought Ricky Steamboat was done. I mean, he was, he was one of those guys. That, you know, Rick Rude was never allowed to get back in the ring ever again. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, he passed away at a young age. But, you know, there were guys with those career-ending neck injuries, you know, mm -hmm. from all the bumps and, that they took and all that, that you're right. They, they, they couldn't deal with the fact that they weren't in the business anymore. Right. Obviously, right. it took its toll, and, and, and a lot of people yeah. lost their lives. But mm -hmm. um, it's just hard when you don't have that adrenaline rush anymore. I mean, I was talking to, to Brian Blair about it the other day, and 
um, you know, it's an adrenaline rush. Even Roddy Piper mm-hmm. put that in his book. He said a lot of guys can never get it out of their system. It's almost like a like a disease or, or an addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that you know that that adrenaline rush, the endorphin rush, and I remember Shawn Michaels talking about it at his, at his Hall of Fame speech, the first yeah. one. Um, that <laughs> all I ever wanted was for people to love me, and I'm thinking this guy traveled the world. You know, was one of the most respected wrestlers. Most people considered him the greatest performer of all time. And he still cared about what people thought of him, mm-hmm. whether it be just lack of confidence or insecurity. But that really touched me because, yeah. number one, he was my favorite wrestler of all time and always will be. Um, but the fact that he just strove to be the best and stri- mm-hmm. strived to be the best because he wanted people to like him. Right. That just, yeah. how, how can you not... How can you not feel bad for the guy that you know he, he spent his whole career just just trying to stay over and trying to trying to be appreciated? He didn't want to be forgotten. A lot of guys have no. that that issue. No, absolutely, and 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 especially in a business like this because it it is, um, you know I you know I know a lot of people don't like this term sports entertainment, but that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. And your whole job is to connect with your audience to get them invested in you as a character and and get them to buy into whatever you're doing. So whether it is to be liked or disliked, that's, that's your job. And if you're not connecting with an audience, you know, then, uh, then you're not doing your job correctly, or there's something going on that, that is not resonating with the audience. So um, I could see how that plays on guys' psyches and stuff like that. Is that. Why are they not responding? Why are they, why am I not connecting with these people? That sort of stuff. And, and uh, like you mentioned too, having to, uh, call it a career early under circumstances that are not your own that plays on the mind as well so you know it it is tough it is tough on everybody i just wanted to give you a shout out here rad turtles uh wrestling podcast uh you guys uh keep after it and uh i know you got a lot of people out there listening and uh really keep doing what you're doing i know a lot of people like it i'm sean mooney and i am out Rewind. It's a tough business, and a lot of guys spent their whole lives trying to entertain people, and, and mm-hmm. obviously they, they loved doing what they did, and I'm sure for a lot of guys the money was great, but they also sacrificed a lot. I mean, not just yeah. the toll it took on their body and the travel that ever they had, uh, but their families and their children. Yeah. Is, you know, it just I, – I haven't you – know, I'm 44 years old now. I have a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. I know it's a little bit later in life to have a kid, but I'm still relatively young. If I was in the business, I'd probably, you know, with the way people keep in shape nowadays, you know, they could probably wrestle, you know, into their 50s, and some mm-hmm. do. But I, I can't imagine leaving my sweet little girl, you know, for, for weeks or months at a time. I, I It takes a special kind of person to, to stick around. And there, there have been some wives that have stuck with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, there's many many failed marriages but yeah it's uh you know yeah you were on the road too it's just it's a very tough thing how did you try to balance all that uh it it was tough i you know and and unfortunately for for me as i as i tell people i outkicked my coverage when it came to uh to um to marriage and my wife was very understanding uh part of the uh thing that helped too that going into this relationship she understood what my basically travel schedule was. Right. And she knew that I was going to be gone a lot. But at, at the same time, 
uh, I was fortunate enough to have that relationship for, with WWE that if there was ever a time where I could say, hey, can I take this week off, you know, especially especially during the days when JR was in charge of talent relations. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it was so easy to walk up to JR, knock on the door and say, hey, JR, you know, like in two weeks, is it OK if I. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Take your time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, it, you can do that, but at the same time, you don't want to do it too often because then they start saying, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> right, right. Now, obviously, being a referee, you, you had a little bit of leeway when it came to that. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the talent, especially, you know, your yes. your, your mid-card and your upper mid-card and your main event guys probably mm-hmm. probably couldn't do that. Um, no. Did you no, ever right? try to talk to anybody? You know, did, I mean, did anybody ever confide in you? Like, hey, man, I got this, this problem going home. I don't need you to name names or anything like that. But did, did any of the talent ever ever you know, spill their guts out to you? Uh, on a, not, not, I, I don't want to say it was a regular occurrence, but rarely every once in a while, you know, some would feel comfortable, like maybe uh, on one of those overseas trips, you know, you're mm-hmm. sitting on the bus for a long time and you're sitting beside yeah. someone and they, they look for someone to talk to and, uh, and, 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 and you hear some stuff and you try and you don't try to be the guy offering the, the advice. You just try to be the guy that's there to listen and just, right. you know, and most guys just need to get it off their chests anyway. Exactly. They're, you know, they're probably not exactly. looking for advice. But. And I'm not, it's not like I'm going to run around to and, and say, hey, do you know what so-and-so <laughs> said about this? You know, right. No, I just, you know, but yeah, I'm, to be honest with you, uh, I will give myself credit for one thing. I was a good sounding board if people wanted to get stuff off their chest. Yeah. And I, I fall in line with that too. I have a lot of people. I guess I'm just one of those guys that's easy to talk to uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, I've heard lots of people's problems over the years and I don't usually tell my own, but, uh, so I kind of, I kind of get where you're coming from. Uh, speaking of the overseas trips, what were some of your favorite countries to, uh, to visit? Oh my goodness. Uh, almost everywhere. I mean, like I I love going to Australia. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, just, that's a long trip. Yeah, it is a long, the longest trip, right? Yeah. Basically the other side of the world. Australia (laughs) was tough. Um, uh, you know, it was a lot of interesting trips to South, South Africa, um was interesting you know we did the tennis stadium there in durban and stuff like that um you know obviously the uk and and going to it was you know going to italy and going to these different places it, trying to pick just one <laughs> is next to impossible because there are yeah. so many good trips and and you know you get to meet some people from all over the world it's incredible and yeah. and, and and to see how how i i want to i was going to use the word rabid i don't like the word rabid how <laughs> you know how how f- fanatic they were which is where the word fans come from yes. they, they they just i don't know it, it, you felt like a rock star getting off the bus when people are <laughs> cheering for you you know they're cheering for you know, oh there's taker yay there's a, yeah. oh there's the referee yay. and i'm going like oh wait this is cool <laughs> you know, <laughs> right right yeah. i mean that's why you saw brad hart and how loved he was when he yeah. was when he was champion maybe mm-hmm. you know didn't move the needle that much here in the states but when he went overseas he was like a god to those mm-hmm. people yeah, he resonated uh, with that, that audience big time. Yeah. And, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that was silky smooth in the ring. Uh, his stuff looked believable. He was snug, but not not stiff. But, I mean, yes. every, everything he did made sense. Everything he did looked believable. And he considered himself an artist. Mm-hmm. And, you can you know, people can say whatever they want about his attitude over the years or whatever decisions he made. That's that's between him and, and the guy upstairs. But, yeah. Um, you can't deny what he did in the ring and how how absolutely brilliant he was and, and just how smooth he was as a worker. Absolutely. And I think 
I think there is a tendency nowadays to get away from that style. I, I'm not saying everybody should be Bret Hart, but you got to incorporate some of that stuff into what we do. I see. Uh, I he see took a pride. Of, I mean, it, he yeah. was passionate and he was very, very prideful and he didn't want any holes in his work. No, exactly. And, and I know people like to use the term nowadays spot fest. I, I, to me, it's it's. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of people like to do a lot of big moves that that you don't see everybody do. I call it like a fireworks display. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you go to a fireworks display uh, and you're going, ooh, ah, yeah. ooh, ah. But then there's that one at the end that makes you go, oh, yeah. that's the reaction you want. You want to build to that thing. You don't want, you don't want, oh, oh, oh. And then the ending go, hmm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Do you think the bar was set too high during the Attitude Era for for wrestlers now that that maybe grew up with that and that's kind of the style that they that they like the more fast paced, hard hitting, you know, stuff like that? Or what 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 do you attribute to the curtain style that we have now? Because it's obviously, as we said earlier, completely different than what what we were used to. Well, some guys, I, I get that the industry evolves and the style evolves as well. But at the end of the day, this this industry is based on a good guy versus a bad guy and trying to win a match. And uh, I think people are getting a little bit too far away from that concept and thinking, look, we have to put on a spectacular show as opposed to put on what looks like a competitive contest. Right. You know, and and I think that is the mindset that's going on today. You can do both as long as they make sense, as long as they make sense in the context of the match. I think people, uh, people, some talents nowadays are more concerned with, like you said, getting their stuff in yeah. Hey, I can do this. Therefore, I should do it. You know, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it in every match. Yeah. Or or even pull it out at all. Save it for when it means something. Yeah. No. No. You're, you're right about that. And uh, Jr. You mentioned him earlier. He he mm-hmm. actually came out publicly and was pretty critical of some of what's going on mm-hmm. in AEW. Do you think there's any blowback from that, as far as you know, or from from um, uh, from the office for being that vocal about it? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Um, you know, JR is, you know, doing his best to uh, cover up certain th- aspects of the show. You can kind of hear at times yeah. during commentary, there is a little bit of a snide little, <laughs> almost a little backhanded jab thrown here and there. But at the same, I, I, <sighs> I mean, you know where he comes from, obviously, you know yes. the pedigree that he has. I mean, he started with Bill Watts and he learned mm-hmm. from, the best people in the business. And mm-hmm. obviously this isn't the, the product that he loved growing up and, and was a part of. And do you think maybe he's just a little, I don't want to say disappointed with the direction that, that things are going in today, but. Uh, Wishes it was what, a little you, different. You, yeah. But I mean, what do you think? And I mean, this is just armchair quarterbacking. What do you think right. was, was the reason for him to finally come out and say, look guys, I mean, slow down, do stuff that means something like, why do you think he came out and said that? Um, I'm, I'm just speculating here. I'm guessing because you look at the minds that they have down there. You, you look at some of the. I mean, like you there's have no Arne, lack. There's no lack of. of Aaron Anderson, yeah. Tully Blanchard, Dean Malenko, right. Uh, right. Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, yeah. all, uh, Jerry Lynn, Jerry all these Lynn, guys. Yeah. You know, all these guys who, you know, when you talk about veterans who could teach this younger generation how to, you know, evolve this business using. Uh, old school tactics married to new school. Yeah. It, it almost seems like it's falling on deaf ears. And, and, and it's, I, again, I'm just saying for, as an outsider who doesn't know for sure, 
it feels like to me that the younger talent are thinking, oh, these guys, they don't maybe know that's how you, not that they don't know anything. Uh, maybe that worked back in your day, but okay. uh, today it doesn't, it, it's a different world nowadays and different audience and blah, blah, blah. So that's why we do this. And, and I, like I said, there's nothing wrong with doing the moves as long as it makes sense in the content of the story of the match, not just to do moves. And, and part of the problems, again, going back to the, the officiating, if you don't have actual, you have rules, but if you don't incorporate them or, or enforce them or uh, into your storytelling of the match, you know, like how many times have we seen in WWE recently where I, I, I've, I've noticed that guys are trying to beat the count back into the ring. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're actually doing it. The referees are actually counting. Whereas elsewhere, there's no counts and they're out there for what feels like an entire commercial break. <laughs> you know, so anyway. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm like, is this a no DQ match? I don't think they announced that because they're Texas just... tornado. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, I... see. Here's here's the thing. And again, people are going to say, "Well, you're railing on AEW." No, it's because they're the ones that came out and said, "Listen, we're going to relax the rules a little bit. We're going to make a twenty count on the outside and a ten count <clears throat> to make a legal tag." You know what I mean? Uh, to, right. to get in and out. Yes. But they don't enforce those either. Right. So yeah. you know. If you can if you can make legal tags within the five count and get a double team move in, and you can you know work on the outside and get in before a ten count, you can obviously do it with a twenty and a ten. Oh, easy. You don't need to be in there for yeah. like a minute and a half. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your boy, the coach from the WWE. Twenty years, two decades in the greatest business that the world has ever seen, pro wrestling. Now there are very few wrestling podcasts out there that I like, but this one. This one I love. I love the name. I love the personalities. I love the content. The Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. That's where you're at right here. Follow. Subscribe. I do. Enjoy the show. I'm the coach. Till next time. Roll it. RTW Rewind. I think from JR's perspective, and, and like you, I'm only speculating because I, I don't know what's going on inside of his head, but I just think that, uh, number one, I think you're right. It, it goes back to what I said earlier. Previous generations were different. It was a different style, and this is how we do things now. This isn't your father. Like the new Star Trek, this isn't your father's Star Trek. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I, I can see where the younger guys would be like, I appreciate the advice, but, you know, this yeah. this is how we're doing things. But. Does it come from a lack of leadership at the top? And I don't want you to throw Tony Khan under the bus, but no. he's a bit of a fanboy, uh, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And I think he lets the boys get away with a lot. And, you know, I, I've talked to Vince Russo about this, about, mm-hmm. you know, letting the boys run the show and, and book the territory, to use a, right. a, a, an old term. But um, I don't think Tony's as, as rough as, you know, maybe Vince McMahon would be. or And it's his product. I mean, you would think right. of all people. You know, Vince McMahon is very hands-on because that's his baby. Right. And I'm not saying Tony Khan isn't hands-on, but I still think that... I want to say he needs somebody else with more experience to be that sounding board to bounce stuff off of. You know, like a J.J. Dillon or a Jim Ross or a Tony or Arn or whoever. Put somebody with experience at the top level to kind of be like the... Mm -hmm. I don't want to say the be-all, end-all. Right, uh, but at least to be like, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. Instead of yeah. just letting people do whatever they want, does that, having, sense? does that make sense to you? No, it, it makes absolute sense, and 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 I think you're right. I think part of the problem is with leadership there. 
is they are letting the inmates run the asylum a little too much. And, and, and it's okay to give the guys creative freedom, but at the same time, you have to hold them accountable. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's maybe where he's not, I, again, I'm speculating. I'm not there, so I can't tell you for sure. Um, maybe there needs to be somebody there who, who, you know, like you look at the executive vice presidents they have. Right. Cody, <laughs> Kenny, the Bucks. Yeah, all talent. All yeah. talent. There is nobody there that is that is in the EVP role that is an, not an on-air personality who could say, look, I, d- I don't agree with this. We, we shouldn't go. We need to go in this direction. So um, when you have no one to tell you no <laughs> or no right. one to tell you or no one to guide you or you're not listening to those who are trying to guide you, that's when when issues arise and you don't see them because you think you're fine. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, we've seen stuff like that back in the day when, you know, Dusty was the booker or Ric Flair was the booker. Or Kevin mm-hmm. Nash had the pencil. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the talent are always going to have their own best interests, you know, first because right. they think they can do it better than anybody else. So, I mean, that's just human nature. I, I completely get that. But um, if you are the president of the company and you're sitting there in your T-shirt and your shorts and <laughs> look, hey, whatever. If he wants to dress that way, it's his company. That's fine. Uh, but to me, I still think there needs just to be a little bit more structure and, and more of a uh, a professional atmosphere instead of just being the fun group. Because the fun group isn't going to be is. a worldwide giant like WWE. I'm just going to call it the way I see it. That's just my right. opinion. No, and, and you're right. They are a fun group. That's that, that's different. But at the same time, uh, I think they're in a groove right now. Their hardcore fan base um, is not appreciative uh, appreciative of any constructive criticism, and that's what it is. It's constructive. Yeah. It's not it's not designed to tear down their product. It's designed. The critiques are there to help enhance the product, and I don't think they see it that way. They think it is. Oh, you're just attacking us. No, we're trying to help here. Yeah. Uh, give like. And not just myself, but there's others out there who are offering advice. But and mm-hmm. I could see they're probably thinking, "Wow, they're he's a, the old guy." There's the old, the bitter old guy going off again. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Well, I mean, there's no. Lance. There's Lance Storm. I mean, you could say you can call him out. Mm-hmm. He, he's yeah. one of your fellow Canadians, but I mean, yeah. he's he's pretty vocal on Twitter about what he sees, and and mm-hmm. he gets a lot of flack from a lot of the newer fans. But right, um, you know, you want to talk to a guy again that literally knows everything there is to know about the business was a fantastic mm-hmm. trainer himself. If there's um, somebody that somebody wants to learn professional wrestling from Lance is on the top of that list that I would recommend. 100%. Um, but why do you think, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't know. Why do you think some of the fans give him so much flack or do you, do you think he maybe uh, is a little bit in character when he tweets? Let's just say uh, maybe, maybe not as much as Jim Cornette. No, I don't think anybody is. No, nobody is. <laughs> but um, maybe a little bit. Maybe he's having a little fun with it. But at the same time, like you do, like yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you have you fun know? with your with your your followers. Yeah, and that's what it's meant to be. It's the you know it's it's social media, not anti social media. So right. you know, but I think Lance is having a little fun with some people. But at the same time, I think he's giving honest opinions and. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's the name of the game. And it's not, again, not meant to tear down, but to help build, to help enhance. You know, like like if I if I was a coach in hockey, for example, and I saw somebody, one of my defensemen, uh, do something that I thought was detrimental, maybe it didn't cost us a goal this time, but if he ever did it again, maybe it would. I would point it out to him and say, hey, next time this happens, maybe you should try doing this yeah. instead. And if he turned to me and said, Ah, maybe that's what you did back in the 70s. And I'm like, 
you know. Yeah. No, but again, I wish younger fans. I'm not again not going to speak for everybody, but right. There's a lot of fans that don't respect uh, people that have come before them. Uh, I mean, guys like you and and guys that were in the business for 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. know a thing or two about a thing or two, and they know how to you know how to get people over, and they know how to get start. Look, I don't care what year it is, Jimmy. Good storytelling is good storytelling. Yes. If absolutely. you write a great dramatic angle with cliffhangers and all that and, and, a, and a good program, you're always going to get a reaction. You're not going to remember the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros from Dynamite three weeks ago. No. You know, but you're going to remember the Fiend being set on fire. And I'm just using it as a, as a, as a current example. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, um, understood. As much as... It's right, not the matches. It's, it's no, the stories. Right. And, and regardless of... Uh, what what you say about lighting someone on fire, whether you like it, <laughs> agree with it or not, right. uh, still, it's memorable. People yep. remember it. You know what I mean? Whether you liked it or not, it's a, it's it's memorable. And like you said, when you see, uh, and again, it's not a knock against the Bucks or the Lucha. No, Lucha just using as an example. I'm, no, I'm just but, saying, you, you know, matches nowadays, anybody can put in a five-star match. Are you really going to remember it three, but, four, five, six but, years from now? Again, but then again, that's the other problem too. Now everybody's, you know, rating matches as opposed to saying hey that was fun that was <laughs> right. good i enjoyed right. that i really enjoyed that no oh four and three quarter stars you know like everybody <laughs> wants to everybody wants to rate stuff yeah yeah no no you're right but to me just old school storytelling will always get the people in will always lure you in and want you to see more i mean i don't again i don't care what year it is who are the, who are the competitors could be roddy piper could be seth rollins doesn't matter Give me a good story, and I will come back every single week. Well, let's look at it this way. The WrestleMania three match at the Pontiac Silverdome. What, what was the best match on the card? People will tell you Savage and Savage and Steamboat. Correct. Was the best match on the card. But what was the match that drew 93,000, whatever? 173? Yeah, 93,173, yeah. whatever the real number was. But, What's sad is I'll never forget that number. Just yeah. useless knowledge that's in my no, head forever. But. It's been ingrained. What can you do? But, <laughs> right, right. No, but see, that's the match that drew the crowd. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Now, <laughs> I hate to use this guy as an example because uh, he's been around for quite a while. But, you know, how can, in all his infinite wisdom, Dave Meltzer give that a half a star? What the, that match? The yeah, Hogan, he the Hogan. Yeah, I know, I know, but he he's appealing to a a, a different audience, and and. Uh, but he know, grew up in that era. I mean, I understand he's I trying know. to stay relevant and all that, but just for the spectacle alone, like you said, nobody will ever forget Hogan and Andre that first eye to eye face to face matchup, mm-hmm. Gorilla Monsoon with the immovable force, you know, meeting the you know uh, the irresistible yeah. force meeting the immovable object, yeah, and then the slam. Right. Just for sheer impact on the business, I would rate it obviously three, four, five stars. Now, if he's rating on a technical scale, then maybe the work wasn't that great according to him. But do you know the the, the matches should get rated on the reaction of the crowd? Obviously, nowadays without a, yeah. without a live crowd present, you you know it's, <clears throat> now you're probably rating it on the in ring style and, right. and, and and the storytelling that way, but. You have Hogan versus Andre, and that crowd was on fire. They were electric. They were standing the whole time. Yep. That, that alone deserves three stars. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it just the, 
the sheer mass of people that were there yeah. and uh yeah. and just the whole atmosphere people coming down on the the little ring gimmicks there with the yeah. with the golf carts i mean it's just which is kind of cool it was cool and it was pretty unique to, to have him do that because it's such a long walk and yeah uh, obviously if warrior was there he would have been blown up halfway through but uh no. <laughs> <laughs> he's, not, he's not like charles who made the run at wrestlemania 24 down the ramp and i got knocked out of the ring but Ah, yes. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) funny, funny, quick story about that really quickly though. When, uh, uh, we're kind of going over things and, and, uh, uh, taker says to me, how do you feel about taking a big boot? I said, (laughs) uh, it's the dead man all day long, all day long, right? He says, unfortunately it's going to take you out of the match. So we need a referee to run down. Who do we get? Everybody looked at each other. My, uh, everybody that was there and just looking went, (laughs) gotta be Charles. There's no one else who can make that run. (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. And he was probably one of the oldest guys there, right? No, but Charles was a runner. He ran every day. Oh, he was in fantastic shape. Yeah, but I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, to to be his age and to be in that great of a shape. uh, Oh, he he was awesome. Charles. Yeah. uh, I've heard nothing but great things about him. Uh, Have you spoken to anybody you used to work, any of your your fellow referees that you worked with? Do you keep in touch with anybody at all? Every once in a while. I mean, like, not often, but, uh, you know, every once in a while something something will trigger something and hey what are you doing what you know like um especially guys i traveled with chimmel who was who was a ring announcer you know chimmel was yeah we were we were traveling buddies so what right. do you say every once in a while kyoto but uh you know like some guys like jason Ayers, um john cohen who's still there charles of course every once in a while buzz him especially on on social media when i see him po- his post and i have to like to have a little fun with him there too and stuff but uh, uh you know Maybe I should a little more, but uh, some of the guys I still keep in contact with. I was shocked when Mike Kyoto got let go. Were you uh, Were you surprised at that at all? Yes and no. I know he had been out for a while with an injury and had uh, and that had been taken care of. But at the same time, uh, at the end of the day, I get it. You know, he'd been there so long. You almost hate to see him go, but it is a business at the end of the day. Right. And they've got so many guys now and gals uh, wearing the striped shirts that I guess they had to make a decision. Uh, a little bit surprised because he had been there for so long, but at the same time, uh, you know, you hate to see it happen. Yeah. I really do. Honestly do hate to see it happen, but, and I hate to say that I understand why it happened. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 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 I know what you mean. Who's the senior official there now to your knowledge? Got to be Charles. That's what I thought, right? Got to be Charles. I'm thinking John Cohn has been there for a while too. Yeah. Chad Patton. Chad Patton. That's right. He's been there quite a while. Yeah. 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 Uh, other than so that, the- I think everybody else is, uh, yeah, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, yeah. eventually they're all going to be gone and, and you know, it is what we're left with, but mm-hmm. that's like anything in life, man. I mean, two things are, are guaranteed or, you know, death and taxes, but, mm-hmm. uh, none of us can escape that. And eventually, exactly. uh, Eventually, we're all going to go, and and the people you know that we're leaving our legacies to. Uh, hopefully, they can they can carry it on. And and exactly, uh, you know, a lot a lot of people are very pessimistic about the future of wrestling, and mm-hmm. you know, with ratings being down and and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people are are unhappy with the way WWE prevents you know presents their product, and mm-hmm. um, you know, people are saying maybe they won't be around in five ten years. Right. Personally, I don't know. I think uh, it's such a big machine. It is a big machine, and you and know, uh, I and, just don't see it ever fading away. 
And you look at the television market now as compared to when they were getting those huge numbers. Uh, there's how many more channels now that people have? Oh, absolutely. To watch thousands and stuff like that. thousands so, of channels. So, yeah. But then again, as long as uh, as long as television companies are willing to pay. There you go. That's a good point. I, I tried to tell some of that the other day. I said, yeah, maybe USA is happy with a million and a half people because, I mean, you put another show on mm-hmm. Monday night. Who's to say they're going to they're draw a higher rating than that? Maybe maybe right. that's the best they can do. And and even mm-hmm. on Fox on Friday nights, Friday night is a dead night for television. So if they're mm-hmm. happy with one and a half, two million people, mm-hmm. who can complain about that? You know, as exactly. long as the execs are happy and 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 the TV rights, you know, the, the contracts get rolled over, right? You know, it's it's good. It'll always be around. Yeah, no argument here. <laughs> Uh, just to wrap it up here, and I do appreciate you uh, taking time out. I know you're such a busy oh, guy. I do want to ask you, how's, how's Aftermath going, especially in the, the oh, COVID era? Yeah, Aftermath is going well. Uh, we're not in studio now, so we've moved to... Not to, yet, right? We, yeah. 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 Um, we've, we've moved our show to the Sportsnet YouTube channel and uh, their Facebook page. And uh, it's, uh, of course, myself, a former WWE... Former, the former Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli. I love Anthony. He's uh, such a good he, guy. He is awesome. Uh, Nug Nargang, who is a, a actor, comedian um, up here in Canada, who whose wrestling knowledge is incredible. Yes. And now we have Kevin Mickey, who has joined us, who's, who's from sportsnet.ca. And uh, unfortunately... Uh, Caroline Schved has decided to move on from Sportsnet, and she's looking for other ventures. So we're going to miss her terribly. She was awesome. Oh, she was and, great. Yeah. And I don't want to wish her well on her future endeavors because that sounds so, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Cliche, I, do, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but but it, she was so cool. I, I refer to her as TV daughter. Right. You know, right. The, you I mean, know, you guys had great chemistry together. So I mean, she was she was awesome, and, that's and, a big and loss. she's going to be missed. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a big loss. Uh, speaking of somebody who uh, had left and, and come back, I heard that uh, Miss Renee Paquette is uh, is coming back to host uh, uh, WWE Backstage. They're going to do actually uh, a Royal Rumble special. I, I read that oh. today. Oh, I did not see that. I did yes, not sir. see that. Yep, her and her and Booker and Paige, I think, are going to be doing that. So, ah, very that, interesting. I did not. I, I did not hear that. Yeah. Well, good for her. I, Renee's awesome. She's just she's yeah. so much fun to be around, and and, and she, she got it. I mean, she understood the business. Yes. I mean, she was very, very and, you know, she learned yeah. a lot from Paul Heyman and guys like that too. That mm-hmm. really mentored her, and mm-hmm. I thought she was the best that they they ever had. You know, yeah. at, at least on the female side. Yeah, she was awesome and always upbeat and always positive. Yeah, uh, she, funky. You, and, you know, yeah. yeah, she was fun to be around on and off camera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard nothing yeah. but good things about her, too. So it's just interesting to see with, obviously, who her husband is. And she yeah. doesn't work for WWE. Obviously, Fox is is contracting her, but mm-hmm. uh, she's still going to be in a WWE program. So. There you go. Uh, and I don't know if she'll be Renee Young or Renee Paquette, uh, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. Or, or Renee Good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, last question uh, mm-hmm. regarding the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. What were some of your favorite moments or or anything you were involved with? Anything that sticks out in your mind like, man, that was a good night in the office. Oh, um trying to think. Uh some some there there are so many great moments. Obviously being there for the first one was awesome. Um uh when John Cena made the surprise return at Madison Square Garden, that mm, was really cool yeah. because uh, they snuck him into the building. <laughs> yeah. So that nobody would see him and it was really cool. Um but the one that stands out for me the most, for some reason, was the 2005 Royal Rumble. Outside of Edge returning last year, 
the 2005 Royal Rumble when uh, Cena and Batista did, went over the top at the same time. Yeah. And we had the tie when Vince McMahon came out to uh, to to help to try and settle things in, and unfortunately tore both his quads, which is <sighs> like, oh my goodness, yeah. you know. And um, but I love, I love also, how he holds that over Paul Levesque's head, saying, uh, "You tore yeah. one quad, but I I tore both of them, and I got over it." So I, I think that's, yeah. a, that, that's a the, funny story. The, the most incredible thing about that whole thing is that he made it to the back, refusing help. Wow. That, that is incredible. I mean, like, yeah. he went to stand up and he couldn't stand up. And then all of a sudden he was like, he he, he got back, though. Yeah, I remember I was at Hooters watching that when they used to do the, the free pay-per-views. And yeah. I remember all of us kind of sitting there looking at, like, why is he on his knees in the ring? Like, why is he yeah. just sitting there? Like, that's yeah. that's weird. And none of us knew what happened at the time. But, man, mm-hmm. the fact that he, he walked. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. he is the type of guy that will hold that over Paul's head. Like, oh, I yeah. walked back with two quads there, pal. So, yeah. There you uh, go. That's <laughs> that's amazing. It's just uh, the intestinal fortitude. Absolutely, uh, and the grapefruits, obviously. Yes. yes. So, uh, well, Jimmy, again, I, I appreciate you being here. Where can people find you on social media, and what what you got going on? Ah, uh, well, what I got going on, obviously, up here in Canada, we have uh, the Aftermath brand on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, which you can catch every week. We do our weekly wins and fails, whatever the topic of the day, and we do uh, trivia as well. One of our one of us hosts a trivia segment. Uh, um, depending, we try to make it topical with the times, but then again, we just have a lot of fun with it, and it, and it's cool, you know. Like I said, hanging out with Nug and Anthony and uh, and Kevin, and just getting to have some fun talking wrestling uh, on social media. At Jimmy Corderas is on it's on Twitter, um, on Instagram it's at Real Jimmy Corderas because I believe someone else stole the Jimmy Corderas. Who would do that? Like I'm it. telling you. I don't know. I don't know. These guys with the gimmick infringement. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, and I, I, like you said, I post my refing, my daily weekday refing rants because the weekends I do take off from the refing rants. And just to give a shout out, we talked about my wife earlier. The the refing rants were actually her idea. And she's your camera person, too. Yes, and she is my camera person, yes. And um, we all love Ducky, too, by the way. Uh, yeah, Ducky, where is he? Here, here he is. <laughs> here he is, Ducky, and you notice the helmet he's wearing, unfortunately. A tight, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm living in the Nashville area now, so that was a, mm. a tough one to uh, mm. to take. Yeah, it's funny because being from Canada, everybody's like, how are you a Titans fan? I said, well, I was a Houston Oilers fan way back in the day with Earl Campbell, Dan Pastor, yeah. you me, Billy White Shoes Johnson. They moved. I stayed with the franchise. That's all. That's, you know, a lot of people don't do not don't do that. So that uh, mm-hmm. shows you that you were a man of character, my friend. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I appreciate you being here. Uh, anytime you want to come back on when you're when you're free, let's let's definitely do it again. You're always Absolutely. welcome on this show, and you're very easy to talk to. And I always have a blast uh, just hearing well, stories from you. You, uh, all right. One last thing: Are you ever going to write a book? I think have people asked you about that. I did. You, get out of here. You have a book, and I don't know about it. Yeah, it's called The Three Count: My Life in Stripes as a WWE Referee. Is it on Amazon? I believe it is on Amazon. I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get it because I definitely yeah, want to read that. Yeah, my wife made this nice frame. Yeah, she did a great job at that. Yeah, yeah. That's... Well, I apologize for not knowing that, but I'm definitely gonna go out and get it. So three oh, count. It. Thank you. So, uh, but I am thinking about maybe doing a um, revised. No, not revised. Just yeah. a, a, a part two. Yeah. Try try to recall some stuff that I didn't talk about in the book, and also bring <laughs> up my post WWE career. Ah, well, there you go. Well, that should be an interesting read uh, for sure if you ever do that. And I will definitely check out uh, Three Count because uh, 
there is a lot to know that you probably haven't we haven't talked about so i'd like to Absolutely. learn more about the world of uh the greek god jimmy corderas oh my goodness uh, do me a favor though <laughs> yeah. reach out to me after you if you're going to do it uh, and let me know what you think I, I, oh I, absolutely I, yeah. I value your opinion my friend well i appreciate that so yeah. thank you very much jimmy for coming on the show oh my pleasure thank you for having me and to everybody out there please stay safe stay well and uh hopefully we get through this sooner rather than later thanks again for listening to this episode you can follow RTW on Twitter at Rad Turtles Pod, and you can email the show at RadTurtlesWrestling at gmail.com. We appreciate all of your support. You've been listening to RTW Rewind. Hey guys, Rad Rob, Rob Francois here from the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast and RTW Rewind. I'm here to announce a special event. The week of the Royal Rumble 2021, from January 25th, leading up until the Rumble on the 31st, it is the second annual Rad Rumble Week. Seven days of unique content for your listening pleasure. Monday, we're going to kick it off in style. The Aussie guy, Dean Galloway, will be joining me, and we'll be watching the 1999 Royal Rumble match. Tuesday, will be an interview with former WWF wrestler, from the Killer Bees, B. Brian Blair. Wednesday will be my conversation with former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas. Thursday will be my flagship show, the Rad Turtle Wrestling Podcast, with Grappler 6 and The Ocho. Friday, I'll have a special interview with the founder of Wrestle Life and former professional wrestler Bob Evans. Saturday will be our Royal Rumble retrospective roundtable with personalities from the Hameen Media Group. RBV, MSG, and Jargo will be joining me to talk about our favorite Royal Rumble matches and moments, and you never know who may just make a surprise appearance. Sunday, we're going to close up the week with our Royal Rumble 2021 post-game wrap-up show. I'll be on to break down everything that we witnessed at this year's Royal Rumble. So that's seven days of unique content. You can subscribe to the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast anywhere podcasts are found. And you can also check out the festivities on the affiliate channel, the Hameen Media Group. It's time for the rumble. It's time for the rad rumble.